an adult. Uh, I know fish aren't for me, but do I know ferrets aren't for me? Stay tuned. Captain's Pod, Stardate 82-29-23.1. Welcome aboard the Starships Enterprise, and thank you for joining us as we take a brief shore leave for the world of cinema sins to explore the universe of Star Trek. I'm your Captain Ian Whittington. Star Trek. I'm your Captain Ian Whittington, and with me this week, she will drain your bones and look adorable while doing it. It's Ambassador Moopsie Danae. It's Ambassador Moopsie Danae. Don't get close. I'll suck you dry. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking can't stop thinking about Moopsie. It's so adorable. Why? They just need a spin-off. I just I'm a sucker for adorable I love Pokemon. I'm a I'm a sucker for something that says its own name in an adorable way and then ends up being murdery as well. Yeah. I can see then why you can't stop thinking about Moopsie. Mm-hmm. It'd be a great D and D, like not NPC, but like bad guy. As long as like, I would love to make something so adorable that the party feels terrible, terrible guilt about killing it. Or they adopt it into the party, and then it turns on them at some point. No, well, I'm thinking that this is something that is 100% evil. Like this is specifically mm. killing orphans, but it is so adorable. Like there's no two ways about it. You have to kill this thing. But I really want them to struggle with it. To join Ian's campaign, please <laughs> message us, captainspod at cinemasense.com. <laughs> How are you doing this week, Ambassador? I'm doing good, Captain. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Let's do some emails. <laughs> emails. Um, we have a follow-up email. Um, I mainly just want to pat myself on the back. Um, from Lodea Boschetti Jr. I said her name right. You did. I did say her name right. Oh, I like that you heard back. That's awesome. <laughs> her reply email says, first things first. Yes, Ian, you nailed my name. I was grinning from ear to ear. Names are important, people. I even got the origins of it right. Um, it has a Gaelic tinge to it. I did well. However... She also had a follow-up question for you, Ambassador Denae. Oh my god, has someone taken up the mantle of me saying just ask me anything that's not Star Trek related? Well, I don't know if the not Star Trek related bit was was communicated properly, but (laughs) she says, Now on to more important stuff, I have a couple of questions for Ambassador Denae. What is your favourite Star Trek show out of the ones that we've been watching so far? Mm -hmm. Um... So, so far, we've had Picard, Strange New World, Lower Decks, TNG, one episode of Voyager, Deep Space Nine. I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, and some movies. I'm just going to be the boring person. Yeah, we did watch some movies. We did watch some movies. We've done some original series movies, two of them, I think. It's hard to say anything other than TNG um, because of the nostalgia Mm -hmm. of it. And that's the only Star Trek that I really was into. And kind of the reason that we started this podcast was... Because Picard was starting, and Picard is my favorite character, um, which I change my favorite character frequently, though. Like That's fair. We all do that. I There's so many to choose character, from. You know, I don't actually have a list that's an untouchable list. It's favorite character right now. Yeah, it's like the moment-to-moment emotional attachment list. Yeah. But truly, Picard is this like iconic, for me, character that I saw with mm. consistency and was able to navigate a lot of moments and um, leadership and he had such great tact and I don't know I really loved Picard 
So when we started this podcast, it was just to explore Picard and revisit kind of like the things I would have forgotten alongside the super nerd, which is Ian. Hello. Um, But but season one of Strange New Worlds was incredible for me because it looped in the TOS sort of Mm -hmm. vibe that I have been missing in a new revamped storytelling way that I really enjoy. And sometimes watching the old TNG episodes, I just kind of am like, wow, they do a lot of nothing in these and that was okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's so interesting. I was like, why is that okay then? But not okay when it happens now. And there's lots of reasons for that. But nostalgia is a big one. But yeah, storytelling has just changed so, so much. So I think I think it would be the new like me now if I was going to watch something again I would probably want to watch an episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds but there's so mm. few of them whereas no. TNG has a plethora to go back and dip into yeah. um, so many that you either so. haven't seen or won't remember right. because you saw exactly. them so long ago there was a, yeah. I, I saw uh, an interesting thing the other day um, circling back to your favorite something something and I always feel a lot of pressure when somebody says, what's your favorite movie? Because it feels like you're pinning yourself down to something really, really important. For me, anyway. But the person that's asking the question doesn't really care. Like, they're not looking for, like, a critical analysis or judging you based on what you say your favorite movie is. They're not going to hold you to that. They're asking as a conversation starter and as a way of getting to know you. So you may as well say a genre more than a film because they're more just like trying to get a grasp on what type of stuff you're into, not that they're keeping a tally of everyone's favorite movies. So it's, it's interesting to try and remove that pressure from saying what your favorite is and just do the thing that reflects you in the moment a lot more. I thought that helped me. That helped me like take the pressure off. If I want to watch something that's just a comforting thing, it's going to be TNG. If I want to watch something that I can kind of dig into a little bit, I would probably be this season one of Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Love it. Thank you for asking me a question. Thank you for the question. Now, the next challenge for anybody out there is something non-specific. Just ask the ambassador something insanely personal. Okay, Ambassador, this week we have got episode three of Lower Deck Season 4 in the Cradle of Vexalon. I haven't watched a trailer. I know nothing about this episode. I don't even know what a Vexalon is. To my knowledge, and I'm going to get shot for this, it isn't referring to anything we've seen before in Star Trek, even though it has a very TOS-style name, but I'm completely in the dark about this one. Do you have any predictions? uh cradle baby okay so uh-huh. we're gonna be there is gonna be a birthing in this one nope yeah nope <laughs> just like when they remember we started off in like the 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 birth canal oh you know, in, in season three of picard yeah uh-huh. so we're yeah. gonna we're gonna be birth canaling i think for I sure can't, but i don't think anybody wants that i did see the thumbnail oh interesting okay because i was looking at i was pulling up paramount and of course they have the thumbnail of of the episode so i do feel like i have a little bit more knowledge than you do just based on thumbnail Mm. and it doesn't look like it's going to be a great experience (laughs) oh no oh no (laughs) what does that mean (laughs) oh no it looked very doomy (laughs) doom is in the video game or doom is in like nightmare it looked very serious oh boy you know 
and and there was like a red tint to it so my oh, oddly specific is is the first thing that came to mind was lava so i'm just gonna say something about lava but that doesn't really make sense to the birthing thing so but you know what i've never write about this stuff so who metaphors knows? how do they work amazing okay well i'm excited i'm interested to see where this season is going um we will see you in 10 forward for our debrief two to beam to the holodeck welcome to 10 forward the part of the show where we grab a drink or something from the replicator Start us through the opening and share our immediate thoughts and feelings <laughs> on the episode we may or may not have just watched. Most important question first, what would you like from the replicator? Scalding hot tea, please. Mm. Not iced tea. I want to have scalding hot tea. You know, this actually happened to me a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm helping a company with some ideas for their organization, some project management stuff. And I went for a consultation and I'm sitting down and I'm hearing their thoughts and ideas. I'm helping them do the thing. I love doing this with companies, with projects people whatever so i'm sitting there I'm, I'm in my element but um they have a keurig machine and they have like the little pods and some of them are coffees and some of them are teas and i made myself a little tea or whatever and set it down and i was like okay so here's what we're gonna do da, 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 da. i kind of start the meeting and i open it up to hear the thoughts and ideas that they're having like the project thing i reach down i pick up my thing i drink my tea i set it down it was hot it was mm-hmm. yeah but the meeting hot. completely stopped because they were like you just drank that? Like we have to wait five, ten minutes to drink that. And I think that means I've just scalded my mouth so many times throughout the years that maybe it's just mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. you know, scar tissue inside my face now. I don't know. But it was something where I felt then weird about taking another drink. <laughs> like Yeah, because it's gonna derail the meeting. That was thirsty. The, that's the British equivalent of the Bechdel test. So instead of like, can you have two female characters together talking about anything unless it's a relationship? The English version is, can you have two English characters get together and not talk about tea? And yeah. (laughs) Can you? (laughs) No, you can't. No. You absolutely can't. We have to talk about tea. And I would like the scolding hot isolinear chips because I think a series of isolinear chips would go lovely with my models and... I'm yet to buy a 3D printer yet because I don't want to fall down yeah. that particular rabbit hole and literally have a replicate. I'm I'm I am such a purist with our show. I get so mad when you go off of what we did at the very beginning. I realize that we're in whatever season of the show now. Like we've been doing this for a hot minute, but it was supposed to be a drink. And then it was supposed maybe a food. And now you're like, I'm just gonna have a, a chip. And it's not even Grab like a, a, drink like or a Dorito chip. Yeah, yeah, I know you changed it. You okay. changed it to fit your right. narrative, and I'm I still upset is- about it. Isolinear-shaped Dorito chips, because that would be delicious and nerdy. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. Okay, what flavor would they be if they're going to be like that green color? Green lime, lime. yeah, the like the-, the the slightly like kind of spicy lime herby thing that you get. Anyway, give us a synopsis. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, today's episode. Some stuff happens. Okay, can we just get to the the most important thing? In mm-hmm. today's episode, I guessed my non-specific thing, and that's all that matters. And here's why it's the only thing that matters is because I oddly specific. What did I say oddly specific about this episode? Oddly We're specific. Skip to the end. Oh my goodness! Yeah, sorry, I forgot your prediction. Your oddly specific prediction was that there would be lava. <laughs> And that was, and that's all that matters. That's the only part of the synopsis that makes sense. This is the psychic problem. If a psychic 
makes a thousand predictions. One of them will come true just by playing the numbers. We do this every episode. Danae is not psychic, but sh- this is fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does mm-hmm. happen more often than you would statistically mm-hmm. think possible. Mm-hmm. My literally psychic powers lava. came in today. I, there is I, literally I... lava in this episode. No, like, messing about. No alien goo. No. no. Oh, well, it's kind of lava. No. A Vulcan literally Literal. says, oh, that is a volcano. And then, and then lava, lava comes out. Is. I know. I'm so Beautiful. surprised. I'm so shocked. I wish we did do that bit of the live show first so people would actually believe lose me. their shit and believe yeah. you. Because it's it's tricky. But Well, but the yeah. but we're watching the show a week old, so technically somebody could say that I'd already yeah, watched it. I suppose. Yeah. Somebody's possibly. always gonna be hating on Fuck the truth. That person. You don't have it's to true. know the truth. Just enjoy the funnness of it. And the funness of the universe slash realness is I guess lava. And that's all yeah, that matters. Yeah. Does it matter that Boimler died? No. You can, nope. Does it matter you're, that we you're see on a the one koala? Week streak. No. Yes. Yes, it does. No. Yes. Does it does it no. matter nah. that Boimler is learning how to lead in his panic? No. Does it matter that hazing is a Starfleet thing? No. What matters is that your podcast host <laughs> guessed that Lava was going to be in the episode and was correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's do your other prediction, which was <laughs> <laughs> your general prediction. <laughs> Was that because we're in the cradle of Vexilon, there will be babies and specifically a birth canal. Okay, so... Didn't... Nope, didn't quite happen. And we're all better for it. Seriously, yeah. We, we had enough of that in Picard season three. Yeah. That was your logic, wasn't it? It was a potential rebirth of a planet-ish. Mm-hmm. That's a stretch. Mm-hmm. No, nope. That's a stretch. Yeah. There's no birth canal in here. I mean, that, the ring that goes around the solar system, it's Very, very canally. Yeah, canally, um, and it, it it does create life and support life. Mm-hmm. So, but mm-hmm. no, we're not going to give you that one. I'm afraid. Okay. Okay. Um, anything you want to add to the synopsis before I take over? Um, no. I think I think uh, I would say that we're visiting a planet that's run by a computer would probably be one of the big things that I missed in my silliness. So, overall thoughts and feelings on the episode, Danae. Oh. Yeah, I was supposed to pay attention to the episode in its entirety. Mm. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I think it was a nice. fun episode because we got to go to a planet, some shenanigans happen, and then there's there's stuff. It was a little bit worried at the beginning because this episode opens up with the um not our usual lower decks crew. It's like the top tier crew. What do you usually call them? Uh, the senior crew. Senior staff. Senior offices. Yeah, yeah senior staff. So I was a little nervous that it was going to be like more about them. and mm. um, But of course, we get to come into play. And, and we're talking about our crew moving up in the rank a bit. So I thought this was mm. a good episode because it's introducing that. Both the silly hazing part, which we're not really sure. Yes, no, it could be hazing. Um, and then also the actual like mission part, which is it a real mission? Yes, no, maybe. What did you think about the hazing thing? Did you know that it was hazing from the very start? Oh, no, not at all. That's a big old double bluff thing. It's not like something... I I was kind of siding with Tendi because we haven't really seen this hazing. Like, we haven't really seen Riker or anyone else kind of bully or take the mickey out of any new, like, crew members. Like, Reg Reg would get bullied a little bit accidentally almost um and Riker was very harsh with the up and coming ranks but there wasn't really any hazing so i was fully ready to believe tendy mm-hmm. and then believe the lieutenant that's doing the hazing and then it yeah. all comes around full circle for the type 5 at the end which was 
it was really well done. I really, really liked it. Like that didn't that kept it actually kept me guessing, which I didn't expect. Yeah. I didn't know for sure, but certainly when the um, actual person in charge, and I can't remember his name either, but the one that's like giving uh, the miss- mission to Tendi and um, yeah. Rutherford. Lieutenant No Name. And Mariner. He, mm-hmm. I, I, when he was talking very specifically about having like basically PTSD about the game that they end <laughs> yeah. up uh-huh. using as a trap in his room to get him back for hazing. Yeah. I I thought that's oh, a little too on the nose that's and that convenient. was sort of the only reason that I was leaning that it was a hazing but they played it yeah. off really well to make it feel like it was for a good reason and they did end up finding a bad chip so that was also it's yeah it's weird how both things were true they, they were getting hazed but also there was actually something to find as well so it may have been that there was an easier way to find this chip but he deliberately made them do it the long way um probably but yeah overall i really really enjoyed this episode i loved it um it was quite light on the references and i think it just told the story it was trying to tell really really well and was really fun and funny like this is something i understand boimler struggling with like this is this isn't his regular self-doubt or second-guessing himself. This is, I'm now in a position of power over people that I was working with last week and changing that dynamic and shifting from delegating, so shifting from doing all of the work yourself to delegating to a team. It's a big struggle. So I love that we tackled something that made sense with Boimler and wasn't just yeah. the same old thing. Same with... Um, uh, Mariner, like she didn't have much to deal with. She was just there this week, which is really, it's fun to just see the characters be themselves without actually needing to overcome something this week. Boimler was really fun for me in this episode for a couple of reasons. He was textbook Boimler and then he was over trying, but usually he's mm. over trying to impress somebody. And this time he's over trying while he's already been promoted. Um, and so now he's over trying to be yeah. the right way promoted um and i felt like it was really true to his Super character on brand for him yeah and there's a moment when it cuts over to like how do you think it's going with boimler and mariner says something about him being sweaty and then the next time you know we see as his mission is progressing or digressing depending on your opinion uh he is so sweaty <laughs> he's like uncomfortably <laughs> he's so sweaty. So, uncomfortably soaked <laughs> and getting Bangs more and more eyes. stressful yes um and i did i did like that the uh person that he was working with what's her name um Talyn, maybe? Uh, Talyn? Oh, you've said her name, which means I'm not going to remember it. Well, you're welcome for fucking you up. But yeah, this this Talyn. character, she's she's her, uh, she's the Vulcan, and she's you know the very almost robotic sounding kind of Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Um, she is there to guide him, but in a way where through logic she both validates his promotion and questions his authority. So that was really clever as well. Yeah. It's and very Vulcan. The very end when she so she kind of pushes Boimler to be more uh, open to having help. And then at the end pushes the crew to obey the leadership. And so yeah. I thought that was a really interesting delineation of where the lines are for when someone's willing to put themselves in danger and when it's a, like you can join them in the danger and when you're like, nope, this is for the this is for the leadership to do. Like yeah. we're gonna send that guy in to die. Nobody else. It's really, really clever how it's not like you said, it's not just about follow orders and it's not just about we're all in this together. Like there's loads of times where 
you could disobey the captain's orders. But the, that, that's a really good example of where them being there doesn't make sense. Because there's just, it's not like you need somebody at every station for no. the best chance of success. This is one man that needs to press a button. So it makes, that's the time when the leader should step in, take over and kick everyone out. And man, Talin is such a great addition because she's, because she's come, she's, she's an outsider that's coming in. She's clearly got more experience than the lower deckers. We don't have to wonder why, why is this person an ensign or at the same level as these people when she's clearly so far beyond them? So she's a she's a great little mentor that isn't doesn't have to be one of the senior crew. Yeah, she's she's really serving a good function, I think. Yeah. And of course, this had some good humor for me, too. So like the, the big beats of this are the captain is resetting the system program or she wasn't trying to reset it. The captain is attempting to <laughs> install an upgrade on this very, very old computer system that's been managing this um, ancient sort of structure that it's. Yeah, it's a mega structure that's built around a sun. It's like. A single band of a Dyson sphere instead of an entire sphere. It's and, a really cool sci-fi concept. Yeah. So they have that kind of going on. And that, of course, goes wrong. And the planet or the the ring essentially begins to have issues, including like resetting to the beginning of time where we're releasing <laughs> bacteria or what well, i yeah. don't remember what they said that there was something that's gonna be released into the atmosphere primordial bacteria <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then you've got like the volcano that that shows up so you have this sort of disaster and how it inter interplays with boimler's mission is they were going to go like upgrade some um some machines what is it what were they called it was uh do you know what it was called I didn't make a note of what it was called. It was just generic tech thing that they need to replace. Some kind of energy cells. Yeah. I wish I could remember what it was called. I didn't write it down either. But Boimler is removing them. And then the twist is, is that they actually have to put them back. Uh, so that's yeah. kind of the fun sort of bit there. So that's all happening. has gone through all of this stress to remove them and break his back. He's like, cool, I'll just undo all of the work that I just did. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Which is fun. It's fun to see Boimler panic. Um and then on the ship, you've got the boring, hazing task of scanning chips mixed with the shenanigans of them setting up a trap that then Rutherford gets stuck in and has to go through himself, which I assume is a reference that you you recognize. Mm -hmm. So that's one yeah. I don't recognize. How did you feel about that? I know you love the references of this show, so I figure you liked it. Well, um, so they go into this artifact room, and this is where they find a variety of things and i kind of loved that the artifact room was really restrained there wasn't a ton of things in there it was all stuff that they were like we found it on our adventures so it's not just like hey why would the cerritos have found this very specific tng thing this is all stuff that they've stumbled across on their missions and there was there was three really big ones so one of them is the silver box with the face in it that's saying, hi, everyone. And that was called the Betazoid gift box. was sent to Deanna, and it was holding um, basically a wedding gift in it. And it was kind of initiating her arranged marriage. So there's a whole episode about an arranged marriage that Deanna has to tackle as her mother arrives on the ship as well. And it's just this weird, it looks exactly like it does in Lower Decks, but it's a real human's face that's pressing out of this and the eyes just open and it's super creepy and it's like, I have a gift for Diana of Beta Z. And it's, there was always the question of, is that a living thing or is it a recorded message? So I love that Lower Decks actually answers that and says, no, it just kind of repeats what you say to it. 
and, and then I true to lower it. decks beat fashion it just starts cursing <laughs> i love it. eat a bag of pork dicks motherfuckers <laughs> and like that would have been funny on its own but then tendy's like huh i guess tana passed through here <laughs> it's so funny i love that so much the other thing we've got is the um the puzzle box thing that sends you to an alternate dimension yeah this was interesting yeah. essentially you get sucked inside of it and until you until you beat it you're you're there for a really long time so lower decks does the puzzle a lot better than deep space nine did so this is a very very early episode of deep space nine one of the first creatures one of the first aliens that they come into contact with from the gamma quadrant on the other side of the wormhole they're doing some trading and they trade this box and the crew gets sucked into this box and the aliens think ha 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 this is a great idea but they're none of the crew are happy about this because they're stuck in a game and they don't want to play and the, the episode is called move along home and it's just one of those notorious kind of like sub rosa sex candle episodes where nothing nothing naughty or sexy happens but it's just notoriously a bit shit <laughs> and they all they all have to sing this song and they do this weird dance and the puzzles are a bit shit and nobody, none of the characters really knew who they were yet. So they were all mm. interacting strangely. So they had this great concept, but we don't know who any of these people are yet. So the concept just kind of overrules what everyone else is doing um so yeah it's a really weird episode which is why rutherford is so like eye rolly about it and the lieutenant is like i was traumatized by it it's kind of reflecting oh, on the fan okay. trauma that's come out of this episode it's it's notoriously a bit shit i i, I honed in on tendy as she started to do the weird dance thing and like sing a weird tune yeah. Alan Moraine, count to four. Alan Moraine, count to three. Oh, it's so, it's so cringy. Okay, oh. so that's why the chat's been saying lemon meringue, I suppose. Yeah, lemon meringue, I see. because um, I see. Uh, Mariner is fucking up all of the words. <laughs> lemon meringue, count to four. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So the, the third artifact that's part of that trap was an artifact that I completely missed until they explained what it was at the end. And I was so happy they did. So when Rutherford goes through the trap, when he comes out of it... Like all this time in, had passed. Um, yeah, a bit of time had passed, but the, the, the person in like the silver box gets zapped by something else and then says, what happened? What, 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 like, what went wrong? Um, I miss my wife. Like, I miss my other life. And that probe is from an episode called The Inner Light. And Picard gets zapped by this probe lives an entire lifetime, like 50 years, has a family, has grandchildren, and it all takes place in the space of a few minutes. So then he comes back out of the probe and is like, whoa, I just lived an entire life. What the hell just happened? So it's a little nod to the inner light probe, which was just, it's really great that in the space I of a couple it. of seconds. I thought that it was part of the game. So it was a separate no, thing. I see. It's so quick, completely okay. separate. And you would miss it unless you knew. So what that was so rutherford tendy and mariner set up a series of traps that would trap the mr broccoli whatever his name was um in a game and in an eternal lifetime loop that was no. their solution to get back at him oh, for yes no hazing? yeah no yeah uh-huh okay that the last bit like if you get it when he gets out of the trap he then gets zapped by the inner light probe 
and lives an entire life inside of the probe. Like, that's not hazing, and I think that's the point. This is brutal. You get out of the puzzle box and then live 70 years as an alien. (laughs) My God. I mean, what a way to punish somebody for for doing a hazing when you're not sure that you're being hazed. Although they were right that they were being hazed, but still. They were right for the wrong reasons. And even so, the result is, is wrong. So I love the reference. I think the references in this episode are done really, really well. Like... They work on their own, even if you don't have the context, which is fun. But- okay, so I, I didn't have context about that. And I also feel like I'm missing context about the ferret. No. No? No. We just know that Billups has a ferret now and it escaped. This is the first is time the, that the there's problems, been a ferret? Yeah, this is one of the problems with Lower Decks, is that you, you end up second-guessing what's a reference and what isn't. No, I honestly love that they just so boldly made a ferret a thing yeah. without... Because I figured since I missed basically all of season two and three and all of season one. Wait, I don't remember which ones I watched. I missed a ton. I thought that there was like a ferret that I just didn't know about. No, no. I I mean, unless I forgot it, Lancelot the ferret is brand new. Honestly, that makes me respect the show even more. Not going to lie. Because it (laughs) it didn't need to have a ferret reference to set up the ferret situation. Of course not. Did we know that Rutherford is afraid of ferrets? No. I mean, who isn't? I think it's just the default. I think I'm afraid of ferrets. Have you ever had a ferret crawl on you? Not yet. Then you will be. <laughs> You're afraid of ferrets? <laughs> no, but I can imagine what it feels like to have a ferret suddenly run on me. Wouldn't it be and just kind of like a cat? Nibbly. No, ferrets are way more like squiggly than cats. They're like snakes, but with fur. They're not like snakes. They are, they are, they are noodles. They're ferrets not. Have no, ferrets have no bones. They are just noodles. That's... First of all, adorable <laughs> to think about, but second and maybe more important, not true. <laughs> watch a fer- watch fer- ferret videos. Honestly, they are limp noodles. They have no bones. They are pure gelatin. <laughs> Facts here on Captain Here's Pod. Here's what I know about ferrets. Mm-hmm. Most people remove a gland out of the ferret because they have a pungent odor. I know that. Yes, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Two, they're, they're very curious creatures and one of the things you have to be careful about ferrets is that they will get lost in your house and probably die because they're like get stuck somewhere or because they're they're made of noodles yeah or something like unexpected in the wall yep yeah those are the things that i remember learning about ferrets because i wanted one really badly for a time and you know i'm i'm an adult uh, I know fish aren't for me, but do I know ferrets aren't for me? Stay tuned. <laughs> I have an empty fish tank. I can just I don't think we'll you put a little ferret habitat tanks. in there. Yeah, I don't think that's what I don't think you understand how ferrets work. No, I don't. This is part of the process of me learning. <gasps> but I did see little ferrets and they have these little hammocks that they go in and they just like spoon up and they curl mm-hmm. up a little and there's like this little pile of like fluff noodles yeah noodle fluff you have to get two ferrets you can't just have one ferret on their own um so yeah the references really worked for me i loved it back to the the a plot the main plot of the episode i love the metaphor the kind it's not really a metaphor it's kind of exactly what it is of how software updates have all fucked us at some point by way of just like either being automated doing too much work like this inbuilt obsolescence of our technology 
is great, but when you keep doing these software updates, it ends up slowing it down because they take up more memory. The reboot does something funky to all of your settings. We've all had the pain of updating to Windows whatever, and it's changed a bunch of settings that you were comfortable with, and then it fucks everything. So I love this little exploration of that in this world computer thing because everybody keeps saying, oh, is it subjugating the people? Is it oppressing all of the citizens? Because in all of the previous episodes, like TOS has Landrew, there's loads of times whenever you have a supercomputer that helps manage your world, it ends up wanting to be a dictator and kill everyone or enslave them. So it's funny that everybody keeps referencing that. But the real problem is that its software is out of date. Yeah. I kind of love that. I did too. Twenty-first like century issue. The sort of like ancient hardware, the software problems that yeah. feel very much today, which we are ancient by Starfleet standards, I suppose. Mm-hmm. We are. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like them finding a phone and trying to update it with old cars; it would just completely crash. I do have a question about the anomaly room before we go on to our sins at some point. Mm, go for it. But before I do that, I wanted to say that one of the other things I really liked about this that kind of the one of the humor bits that made me laugh was when Boimler goes onto his comm badge and it does a feedback loop. <laughs> I really thought that was funny. <laughs> I'm amazed that doesn't happen more often. <laughs> it's so great. And I do I love how quickly Talin just like snips it. She's just like, it works. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, that was good and stuff. She um he when she's finished doing his pep talk and he runs back to them um and says it's time for you it's time for me to get you all into trouble or it's time for me to put your lives in danger and she was like that is not how i would phrase the lesson that's not the lesson yeah (laughs) that's that's not what i would say (sighs) yeah um my question about the anomaly storage room so what was said specifically about it is that it's anything that requires um further study or to be returned Mm -hmm. to its previous entity i just there's that's so lower decks. We need to have an episode of them delivering back all these items to where they belong. Second contact. Like, that kind of is a great mission. That would be an, a great, like, entire season. It would be like the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Like, yeah. every single... It would be like 10 episodes, 10 artifacts, and just returning them all to their species. I kind of love that. I, I was really curious, because it wasn't like they were saying, this needs further study. It was, or returned... Mm-hmm. So it's like you're carrying someone else's stuff around with yeah. you that needs to be brought back. At some point when you're next in the neighborhood, I guess. Yeah. How does that work? That just opened up this question about archiving things in Starfleet that like, they must just have this massive place where they're storing things for someone to come and pick up kind of like a space lost and found. But well, we've now discovered that every ship has its own Indiana Jones um, yeah. warehouse yeah because at the end of indiana jones like the like it's the first or third one something like that the the artifact gets taken to this big warehouse and you're like what the hell is in all of these boxes and every single ship on the fleet has one yep so everyone's <laughs> got a storage room that care that, that has one or two items and, and this is really where it's going to shift into my sins so um i guess mm-hmm. um we can go there unless you want to talk about jazz i i I kind of it's really weird that Marinus says I'm really not into jazz as if that's been like a comment that's thrown around and then I thought about it and I was like you know if I did have to make an assumption 
I bet that Mariner would be into jazz because she's all like kind of free form and do it all on. And that's very much what jazz is as well. But I almost like, I hope it's a reaction to some comment that I've missed on Twitter. And Mike McMahon is like, no, she hates fucking jazz. Jazz is bullshit. Um, <laughs> she's actually into like metal or whatever. Um, but no, I, I love that she takes one for the team and keeps pretending to be interested in, in the in the sloppy jazz music. I did it's notice- wet. I like it. <laughs> that in exchange when she's trying to distract the guy from going back to his quarters, mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed. When she like turns around, she's like, fix it. You know, like get fix the problem. I'm gonna distract yep, this guy. It. And then it's fix just it. intercutting with whatever random conversation she's yeah. begrudgingly holding, which was really, really fun. I don't know anything about the character. We I think we know more about him than we do Billups now. We know that he's into moist jazz. Um moist. Yeah, and that he's into hazing. Ugh. Okay. I do and love ferrets. That. And well, it's not his ferret though. Billups has the ferret. Oh, it's Billups' ferret. Right. Yeah. Lieutenant No Name was helping um, him catch the ferret. Um, I do love how that gag ends with, um, oh, I'm supposed to go to Dr. Migglymoo's office. And then Rutherford just collapses and we get the thumbs up. I'm good. Did it. I'm fine. I'm Did good. It. We're doing good. Yeah. There's Did a lot the of really nice beats in this in this episode. There's, really so, there's so, so many. I've got two more one-liners that just made me just collapse and it was when Talyn is like that appears to be a mountain or a volcano and then it explodes and she's like it is a volcano <laughs> yeah so matter of fact I love it and just to Anna coming in at the end just like the vague we don't know what they did to bring Boimler back it doesn't really matter because that's the inconsequential bit at the end of the episode yeah. where Beverly Bashir the holographic doctor will do something and it will be 10 cc's of anesthesine or some cortical stimulator like something something a gibberish that we don't need we just need to know that they're brought back to life so we get this really <laughs> just the really fun line from tana just like give me 30 cc's whatever, whatever that was that worked just worked a minute ago <laughs> i love it <laughs> but that does lead us to and i'm gonna be i love this so so much the fucking space koala turning up in like i love how what i love about it the most is how little information we get boimler wakes up in a room in a chair the space koala is there it makes a noise and then he wakes up it's brilliant i love it i thought what was interesting is he turns he's like in this room it looks very like a normal room outside appears to be some sort of space volcano looking thing again or some kind of a mountain i couldn't really it went by pretty fast because i was also going like looking at the koala and then focuses on the koala reflecting in the koala's eyes is boimler's face and it's saying words to him we don't understand Mm -hmm. i was really distracted by the koala teeth which i don't usually pay attention to koala teeth but now I want to go look up what a koala tooth, like what they what they mm-hmm. look like, because I'm sure it's yeah. accurate, but it was very vampire-y. I imagine they're kind of like more grindy, because aren't they vegetarians? I imagine they're all like molars. Will you look it up while I, while I like, I want to know. I'm just kind of curious. Koala teeth. Hopefully it's not something that terrifies you too much. I hope it's not a sex But what term. was really interesting, <laughs> look it, uh, it for me was that when Boimler <laughs> wakes up, he's like, "Get it off of me! Get it off of me!" Which we didn't see happening. So, in the seconds between Boimler making eye contact with the koala and then us seeing Boimler Boimler come back to life, it seems like the koala jumped on him. 
That was really curious. Oh, uh-huh. that would be interesting. So I'm guessing that it's like some kind of interdimensional alien being that acts in limbo and like looks after people that are on the edge of death. Because you do die so often in Star Trek. Like one of the early TNG episodes, um, they, oh, it's, I think it's Code of Honor, actually. They're talking, Picard and Beverly make a plan based on the knowledge that they can bring people back from the dead. So they're just like, this plan will work because as long as she's only dead for a few minutes, we can bring her back. And it's like code blue or something like that. So they're well aware that the heart can stop, the brain can be dead. And they have a window of like 10 to 15 minutes where that's not a big deal. You can bring them back. So I kind of love that we're addressing that. And maybe the space koala is part of addressing that part of Star Trek. I would be happy to speculate. We should do an entire episode where we just talk about space koala and all the things it could be. Really should. We could easily do that. Oh, um, I did actually listen and lis- listen to the full opening credits this week because we didn't have a cold open. It just went straight I into the opening that. credits. Yeah. Which usually tells me that they don't want to waste any time. Like they don't want to waste a few minutes on like an opening gag. They want to spend that entire time on the story. So I'm usually geared to, oh, this might be a more important episode because we're dedicating a few extra minutes to it. So I listened through to all of the credits so that I could listen out for the whale song in the the battle with the Borg because I I missed it. And it does have the same whale song from Star Trek 4 because it it sounds like all distorted because it's in space. And I was like, oh, it's nostalgia. I love that sound so much. It's just awesome. It's so fun to bring back sound effects and stuff like that. Um, It gets me right in my happy places. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the different sound effects, um, specifically when we were watching Strange New Worlds, because it's it's such an immersive difference. And you don't realize the difference between show to show in a way until you're really Mm -hmm. like the music is different, obviously. But then some of the sounds of the different equipment is different. So when Strange New Worlds was playing tos sounds it was like a really interesting Mm. uh yeah an interesting experience so whenever i on sundays i'll usually re-watch an episode i'll visit my parents and i'll usually re-watch an episode of tos with with my dad while mum's like making us dinner or something and the thing that always stands out to me is if we ever watch some of those episodes which i'm sure we will how you will be so distracted by the noises because there isn't a silent scene. Like, the Foley artist just went over time. They're having, like, a really mundane, regular-ass conversation on the bridge. And around them is just... Just panels and buttons and lights just going off all the time. And I mean, it's such a noisy bridge, and I love it. It's so good. Bring back the noisy bridge. Someday, I might actually watch it. I think after Love of Deck Season 4, I think we'll be doing some stuff. So, with that, anything else before we go do some sinning? Nope. (gasps) Red alert, battle stations, everyone! Warning, warp core collapse in 10 seconds. This is the part of the show where we re-engage our sin brains, remind ourselves that no TV show is about sin, even our beloved Star Trek. Hit it. Oh, not that button, sorry. When you said hit it, I just wasn't quite sure. Nope. No, you just ejected the crew. I'm going to sin... <laughs> you ejected the, two, the nursery. Two parts of the show at the same time. Because they both have to deal with organization. 
One mm. is that the anomaly storage room should be sectioned into two halves, things that need to be I returned and things that require <laughs> further study. But instead, yes. it looked like just a storage room that you would see in an office or something where you open it up and you're just going through boxes to find an extra set of pens or post-it yeah. notes. It was so haphazard. And for things that appeared to be very dangerous, everyone on the burrito should be dead. You know? That's just what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how similarly our brains think sometimes. We're very different in a lot of ways, but there are some ways that we overlap scarily. Um, my very first sin was, it is a mess in here. <laughs> this is not organized. I don't know what kind of filing system they're using. And it's the classic, it has the classic anomaly uh, um, treasure room sin, where instead of being in the walls and organized and locked away, there's just enough sprinkled around because we have to have some Easter eggs. So they should all be locked down. You shouldn't be able to accidentally touch anything. But us as the viewer, we need to see the Easter eggs and our eyes need to go to places. If it's a room filled with brown boxes, it's far less interesting. Um, so yeah, we, we would both send the organizational mess. And, it was so um, dangerous in yeah, there. It was so, so dangerous. so dangerous in there. Especially yeah. the inner light probe, which is just fucking like touch it and you've lost 70 years or gain i suppose you've gained 70 years but you spend uh, the first like chunk of that knowing who you are and knowing that you're not supposed to be there it's not like you take their place you take their place but mentally you're still you so it's terrifying eventually you just no. give up and live that person's life i don't like it no nope, don't like it um my other sin with the inner light probe was just how did they get one because this was it must be similar technology but different because they only found the one probe and the idea was that this species knew that their son was going to go supernova but they had no way of escaping it so they made this probe that would force somebody to live among them and to that would carry on their the memory of their species so i'm kind of thinking they sent out more than one probe and just lots of people are getting fucked with and starfleet managed to find two of them there you go um my other sin was about organization um has to do with how ransom and what can i think of it no not ransom sorry they're all their names are always getting yes rutherford and Tendi and Mariner. Mm-hmm. Their organizational way of going about scanning chips was immediately triggering to me. I yes, I was so frustrated because yes. Rutherford just walks over Chaos. to the middle and just starts pulling them out. And Tendi. And, and I, I kept thinking, no, they're, they've got a plan. They've talked about it. It's fine. It That is not how you do it. But they have. No. One person starts on the far left at the far upper, you know, upper left and works bottom their way left. all yep. the way across. Somebody else starts at the bottom right and works right to left all the way across. You mm-hmm. mean the middle, the one who knows what the third person is doing, double checking that they're, I don't know, but, but there's three of them. So then maybe you, you divvied up into equal thirds. Like there's, you have to have a system because it was just chaos and it really bothered me. What you don't do is just walk immediately up to the middle. not have a plan and just start scanning beep, beep, beep. in the middle oh at my random. God. Blah, 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 and then blah. it got worse when Teddy so goes chaotic. in solo and I'm just like, you're everywhere. You're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the way I would do it, like I would probably take them all out, scan them, uh. put them back. And then I know my pile on the right is the stuff I haven't done yet. And then the pile in the wall is the stuff that I have done. Because I've done organizational shit like that before. Me too. And having to start again is in 
infuriating. It, was bad. it is, and it's just such and a waste. It's be such talking. a waste of time. They <sighs> should be doing all of that in silence because uh, you need to concentrate. It's really important. It was really bad. Anyway, yeah, that, that was there's two big organizational issues in this episode, and and mm-hmm. that's them. So. You can tell that there are the people that wrote this show haven't had to work in retail or in some kind of secretarial capacity or they at any do point. Know, and they're just absolutely triggering, triggering us. us. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. Um, this was this was actually my biggest sin of the episode, I think. And we moved on from it pretty quick, which was a relief. But there's been a few episodes now where we've made Boimler dumber than he actually should be in order to expose it to the audience. So Talin is explaining how these energy coils work and they have to be replaced in a certain way because they're extremely volatile and could explode at any second. Which Boimler seems surprised of. This is a shock to Boimler. But, who is but then he immediately the is like, guys, this is bad. This is dangerous. It's like, well, which one is it, bud? Was it just casual? Well, and then he shows them exactly yeah. how to unlatch them. So he knows in detail, other than this really big thing that ends up being shocking to him. And I was just like, like the only explanation for that, that is that we want him to be dumb so that Talin can explain how dangerous this is. And for me, like those jokes, it's not worth it for me because the shock of Boimler saying, oh, everything will be fine. This isn't a big deal. And then Talin explaining how much of a big deal it is, that breaks me a little bit. So yeah, that's that's a genuine sin I would stick in there. Yeah, I kind of had that one too. Um, he went from just swapping out some terminals to this is super dangerous, like really, really fast. <laughs> and super duper quick. Also in that same um scene you know he's like and then you've got to keep it upright it's really important you keep it upright but then you go to the next scene mm-hmm. and he's holding like an armful of them and they're almost all on their sides and nothing really you know seemed to be too dangerous about that at all so I and during the pep talk he has four of them laying down on their side they're on their sides <laughs> and then my final sin it's all about this uh, apparently my final sin yeah. is that when it's like the time for them to turn the terminal back on He's like, okay, mm-hmm. oh, one, two, three. And then they all shift it at the same time. But it's weird because there's only four or five of them and there was more coils. So not all the coils are being mm. manned and turned at the same time. So it Yo, just yeah. kind of confused me as to what the like what the pressure was when the show itself yeah. was undoing its own pressure. But at the same time, well, I enjoyed sense. it. So. Mm-hmm. And I don't fully understand why the room exploded. I guess... Like I think it's because I guess it was because they were forty. Overload, like, like they, they were old. supposed to be. Yeah. yeah, they weren't supposed to be handling that amount of power. Huh. Um, I don't know. I still don't know why they couldn't get a long stick and like press the button from outside. I don't know why Boimler had to die because to, we wanted to, to see him die. Button. But that does lean into one of my sins, which was <laughs> I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not. I I kind of want need one of the ensigns to die. This is your sin. Yeah, I I think it would have made, and I know it. I think lower decks could do this. Like the lesson, like it, it kind of would have been perfect because Talin is like the life death expectancy of a new lieutenant. There's going to be injuries and stuff because you're brand new and you're new to away missions, and there's going to be injuries. I think somebody should have lost a limb, a leg, or actually died to prove that he point did. to Boimler. But he did die. Yeah, but he came back. I think if you'd have made that permanent, like maybe not killed them, but maybe they lost a couple legs. Like, I think it would have hit home to Boimler that he did everything right. And yeah, that's a genuine consequence of these missions is that it can be dangerous. Like that's a lesson he has to learn at some point. I kind of think that would have been cool. 
Nope, you disagree. I don't know. And I don't I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't have I don't know. Would it have made a difference? What would Boimler have learned then? It's part of command. Like you have to be okay with it. It doesn't mean that you're careless. It doesn't mean that you risk people willy nilly, but you gotta get used to death and dismemberment. <laughs> the lesson that Kirk never learned. He never faced the no win scenario. I mean, just go see people be dismembered, I guess, in the holodeck and I don't know. Oh, you know that's not the same. That's not who gives a shit about the holodeck. I just like if you're saying that he needs to learn about permanence where in a world where you can be brought back so much, I think that'd be a hard lesson for anyone to really have in Starfleet because the permanence of death doesn't happen very much unless the plot needs it to happen that can like pike that can make you complacent like do you double guess second guess things and take more risks because you know that you can be brought back and then that makes you take that one extra risk yeah interesting anyway i think it would, it would be interesting anyway and i hope it's something that he eventually has to deal with <laughs> i wish trauma on this character that i love your turn ambassador i don't have any more <laughs> ah what else did i have oh i did so, so there were two that was really freaking annoying because lower decks undid them and one of them it undid before i even reached for my keyboard and the other one it took the entire episode to undo so it just like grr. the first one it undid was as soon as um captain why can i never remember her name captain mariner's mom captain mariner's mom <laughs> is doing the repairs and i was just like wait you have engineers and ransom just like you know we have engineers mm -hmm. and, like, Damn it, ransom, and she's like i want to do this let me have I'm this i'm still sinning it i'm still sinning that the captain who just conveniently happens to have a degree in old shitty computers is doing all of this work and then only calls billups down when it's an emergency and i guess it's a a I guess it's a reference to it's always the command crew that happens to be able to do things because they're the people that we want to see on screen. So Captain Picard will end up piloting the ship when there's no reason for Picard to be piloting the ship. You have minions to do that. And like Riker will have like an advanced degree in like warp core pneumatics because the plot needs him to have specialized in that, even though they have engineers. You can have a no name engineer do it. So I guess it, it's kind of a reference to that, but I'm glad they do eventually bring in Billet. Uh, the other one was, uh, I think we mentioned it earlier, it was convenient that the lieutenant had the trauma of that game, and then that just happened to be the game that they used to set up the trap, but it was deliberate all along. So I'm like, damn it, you are so hard to sin. Will you stop being so bloody self-aware? No, I love that it's like that. It's so much yeah, fun no, to watch yeah, it. I mean, I love it. It's fun. I don't actually want it to stop. I think it's excellent. Well, loved that episode. Anything else, Ambassador, before we move along home? No, no. Um, I I'm going to go ahead and I'm, I, I, have my, I have my quote ready. I'm ready when you are, mm, You got your quote ready? I'm Amazing. Ready. Well, if you have anything you want to talk to us about, send us a message because I'm going to get all of this right. It's at CaptainsPodCS on Twitter. It is CaptainsPod at CinemaSins.com. The ambassador would specifically like questions that have nothing to do with Star Trek. Um, and you can catch us next week live on the CSPN channel on YouTube and on Twitch.tv slash CinemaSins live at 12.30 CST. Who knows? We may play some more Minecraft before or after but until then thank you for listening we'll see you next week and i'm here to remind you that everything that has ever occurred is science stuff and i just want you guys to know that i am working on completing my confidence boosting ritual <laughs>
<laughs> Live long and prosper. Thanks for listening. Want to connect with the show? Our hailing frequencies are always open through captainspod at cinemasins.com. Like, comment, and subscribe on your podcast player of choice, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Push the buttons. Push them in the right order. Things will happen. Turderp. I want to like instantly make this really intricate thing and then I want to like layer my voice and then just like do this. And then like and it's like you know can you hear what's going to be in the background of all of that can you get like like something like that like something really like um off-putting and makes you feel uncomfortable like maybe you have to have a bowel movement at like a party or something you've given me everything i need (laughs) to do it (laughs) you've now you've now made this edit twice as long (laughs) And it will be worth it. <laughs> Listen out for the end of the outtakes <laughs> for that. Holy shit. Guess what? What? This is either a really bad thing or a pretty okay thing. That's, I mean, that's the spectrum. <laughs> well, there's also like super great, right? And no, it's not quite nothing, super great. Nothing is that great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a cat. Wait, what? Permanently? Nope. No, no, no. Okay. I get to share the neighbor's cat, which you've met. Oh, that's so... Wait, what? How does that work? <laughs> that was like a an... Oh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. It's like the best of all worlds, right? Where we get to have a cat, but it's not my cat. You don't have to do any of the vet bills, the insurance, Correct. the feeding. Right. You just do the okay. treats. Oh, hold on, hold on. The feeding, maybe. How is the... How do you... How do you come up with an arrangement like this? Because I know cats tend to share people, because but that's just going door to door and getting fed. Do you have an actual arrangement with the owner? Nope. Oh no! Just so this cat. is just a yeah. This is just a cat <laughs> thing then. Yeah, that's this isn't special. It is special. Don't downplay this for me. This is how every cat. Acts. My mum has four <laughs> cats by this definition. <laughs> yes, she In does. Fact, she does. My friend uses my mum. As a case study example, because she's a veterinary nurse and she uses this to owners if their cats are struggling to lose weight. And she's like, I know this person called Ian's mum and cats come to her door every single day in order to a feeding window and she feeds them. (laughs) And it's like fucking clockwork. And she these has cats. a feeding window. I've seen it. <laughs> she does. <laughs> they go, meow, and she opens the window. She acts like it's a chore. And I'm like, mum, you choose it. They're not paying you for this service. You can stop. My favorite part of watching her was her feigned surprise. Yeah. When she was like, I don't know why they keep coming back. And she's fake, literally fake, 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 fake. holding a little thing of like delicious chicken. <laughs> I have met the neighbor and I did tell her that we've now had the cat over multiple times and fed him tuna. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the house or just like in the garden? Technically, the garage is in the house, right? No, that's still your yard. (laughs)
Because I I just know the, the dogs would not react well to this cat, which is why I asked. The <laughs> oh, question. they're really they're really frustrated. They're genuinely yeah. frustrated puppies at this point, which is understandable. I get it. I I get it. They don't get um, fresh meat. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> well, yeah, only when they steal it. <laughs> uh, Iris and I named the cat Snow Shadow because mm. it's a white cat with a yep. dark spot and like a solid tabby dark. I know this cat. Thick tail. Yeah, yeah, you met the cat. In fact, you taught Iris how to be with cats with this cat. I did. I imparted wisdom. You did. And it was wonderful wisdom. And this is a great cat. Really, really chill. Yeah. Super kind. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what I learned about this cat, true name, Thunderstorm. Oh. First of all. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. So Snow Shadow is much wait better, in my opinion. No, Thunderstorm is an incredible name for a cat. I thought it was going to be like Mipsy or something. Like <laughs> Mipsy. Mipsy. When you when you name a cat and you let like a six year old or five year old do it, it always comes out as like Thunderchild or Storm Shadow or something like that. The name is the actual name is always a letdown, but not this occasion. The, I this thought name maybe is you would think it was lame. I think it's cool. It's a stupid name, but it's really cool. <laughs> we like we've domesticated a lot of animals, but cats are at a point where they have genuinely now domesticated us. Like. If a cat is even halfway intelligent, it has like five different owners and it will do a tour of the place and get fed and get warmth and have a routine. I really Mm -hmm. believe that they're nomadic once you let them go outside. Yeah, that happened with my aunt's cat as well. Of course, she couldn't figure out why he wasn't eating and took him to the vet. And she's like, he's super healthy. Are you sure he's not visiting neighbors? And then she went on a neighbor tour and found out Mm -hmm. that her cat named um, Fizbin yeah good name was going in and he would nap at one neighbor's house in their window and then he would go to the next neighbor's house and when the the kids got home from school and he'd meet their children <laughs> like, and he just kind of went around that's amazing <laughs> and he was a very very happy cat fisbin fist fisbin fistandandalus flockster the fourth i think was his that's name that's a beautiful name <laughs> Data gets confused in an episode. I don't know if this is one that we've seen, but he's trying to explain to Geordie why he can't train his cat Spot. And he's like, maybe maybe Spot just isn't intelligent enough. Maybe cat's brains just aren't trainable. And in the next sentence, in like the only way TNG can, Spot meows at the replicator, and then Data like makes some food. And then Spot meows at his toy, and Data goes over and starts playing with the toy. And Geordie's just like, I don't know, your training's coming along fine. Oh my god, that's so perfect. <laughs> it's so great. And Data just like drops the toy and he's like, stop it. <laughs> the problem is cats are too smart to be trained. They're really, really smart. They're extremely intelligent. The fish is buried. You did it. The fish is done. I can finally edit this saga together and release it. As a, as a as a feature length movie, it finally happened. It was How did an, it, it go? was really interesting timing because mm-hmm. we had grandmother's funeral, yeah, and then the burial of the fish. So I feel like oh, you buried you did, didn't you? You buried the fish with your grandma. You said no, you were going to do it. Okay, I didn't. I did not put the frozen fish into the casket. That did not happen. Hey, when we beam into the next place, can you like let them know to just remove the headache that I have? Uh huh. You know, that's like one of those unintended consequences of wishes. So you like get three wishes from a genie and then you wish Mm -hmm. for world peace and they just make everybody die. And that's technically how you get world peace. 
I imagine you wishing for that, and then Dr. Ta'ana, the cat doctor, comes in with like a dish that has your brain in it. I was like, well, we've removed the headache. Your headache is gone. <laughs> your body just materializes. And you wanted to feel buoyant instead of heavy, so we've got you floating in goop. Captain's Pod, Stardate 82, 29, 20. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> your face did not look ready. I wasn't ready. You look shocked. I'm ready. Um, anything you want to add to the synopsis before I take over? No, I think I think uh, I would say that we're visiting a planet that's run by a computer it would probably be one of the big things that I missed in my silliness. So, um, and and now is the part where Ian's headphones have died and he has to replace the batteries and he's looking quite shameful about it because he didn't think about this ahead of time and he can't hear anything that I have to say right now and it's really tempting to. And that's basically all that I remember from the episode. What do you think about all that? Great when- synopsis. Thank really, you. really, really. <laughs> I was trying to do it so quick and it didn't work. (laughs) But until then, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. And I would just like to remind you that I've lost my quote. Like something like that, like something really like um off-putting and makes you feel uncomfortable. Like maybe you have to have a bowel movement at like a party or something. Like something like that, like something really like um off-putting and makes you feel uncomfortable. Like maybe you have to have a bowel movement at like a party or something. Like something like that, like something really like um off-putting and makes you feel uncomfortable. Like maybe you have to have a bowel movement at like a party or something. At like a party or something. At like a party or something. At a party or something. At like a party or something. Like maybe you have to have a bowel movement. <laughs> <laughs>